from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Movie theaters have always depended upon some type of exclusivity tie, uh, of having the films before they were available on any ancillary market. Uh, the studios with Netflix and Amazon Prime uh, are enthralled to the notion of the, of the subscription and not having to share, not having to split any revenue. I'm Jonathan All in for Sarah Fenske. Along with the restaurant industry, the movie theater industry was hit especially hard by the COVID-19 crisis. St. Louis Public Radio reporter Chad Davis has more. For the past year, the coronavirus pandemic and restrictions on public gatherings have caused businesses across the St. Louis region to shut their doors to prevent the virus from spreading. The impact has been astronomical, especially for movie theaters. Many theater operators had to make significant changes to how they run their theaters. Some theaters closed temporarily, others permanently, and some owners had to postpone their grand opening plans. Now, as the region is opening up, movie studios are releasing films into theaters for eager moviegoers. Joining me in the studio to talk about the challenges movie theaters have faced over the past year is Harmon Mosley, the owner of Chase Park Plaza Cinemas in the Central West End. Harmon, welcome to the program. Thank you, Chad. I appreciate you having me. Of course, of course. So, Harmon, I, I really want to start with all of the challenges you've faced over the years running theaters and, and being in the film industry. You know, this has been a, a strange year for so many different reasons, and I'm curious, you know, have any of them compared to the things that we have seen this past year with the pandemic? Well, uh, Chad, I, I got in this business in August of 1977, so I have a uh, coming up to my 44th year. Um, and I've operated over uh, 16 different venues uh, in the St. Louis market in that, in that time period. And if you just take a look at uh, what life was like in, in the 1970s, there were, it was just the, there were very few multiplexes. They were just becoming multiplexes. The uh, uh, projectors were just becoming, automation was just becoming where you could, uh, uh, didn't have to use carbon arc lamps. There was, uh, we have seen the introduction of first VHS, then cable, then uh, uh, DVD, and uh, now now streaming. So you know there, and, and even before my career, there was television, and then there was mm -hmm. color television. So <clears throat> through this long past hundred years of uh, hundred plus years of cinema. They're, they're, the movie theaters have always faced challenges and they have always faced, there's always been doomsayers that have said that this is the end of, end of uh, exhibition as we know it. And uh, they definitely were challenges. I would have to say in my career that streaming is the, uh, is the biggest challenge, especially combined with COVID. It is, it's, uh, the reason being is that the, Movie theaters have always depended upon some type of exclusivity tie, uh, of having the films before they were available on any ancillary market, be it uh, DVD, cable, or, or so that when the movie first came out, it was exclusively at movie theaters. So they were, they were pretty much force fed uh, to the audience and 
that that was a basis for their survival. Mm. Well, with the COVID, the studios changed and Warner Brothers decided to release everything in 2021 uh, straight to HBO Max. Disney, which is the uh, 800-pound gorilla in the room with Marvel, <laughs> Star Wars, the Disney product, Pixar, uh, is says that they're going to release 80% of their films uh, direct to streaming and only 20% will be exclusive to uh, movie theaters. So that is a, a paradigm shift for exhibition and uh, we just honestly don't know uh, how it's going to how, to how it's going to work out. You know, you, you brought up streaming and, and that's something that I definitely want to, to tackle because I think that is a big change that we're seeing right now. You know, when we go into kind of what we're looking at with theaters and some of the challenges that they're facing and some of the things that, you know, you're um, you're working with currently. I mean, what what are the operations at the Chase Park Plaza cinemas like right now? You know, how have how has it changed, you know, since the start of the pandemic and what are you all facing currently? Well, since March 16th last year, we we closed down by government decree that everybody was, you know, no public nobody allowed in public spaces. Uh, that we always thought we were opening in two weeks for about the first three months <laughs> that we're going to reopen in two weeks. We're going to reopen in two weeks. So there was no clear guidance as to what the pandemic was or how it was going to impact us. Once we realized that uh, we weren't going to uh, reopen, I, I have to say in some ways I was liberated because it was the first time in 43 years that I wasn't having to really think about the theater. But we didn't, you know, we were then banking on Tenet, the movie Tenet from uh, Christopher Nolan, and when it was going to be released, and that was going to be the picture that was going to bring the public back into the, uh, into the movie theaters. You have to remember that the guidance coming from regarding COVID was ever-changing, and nobody, it was never ever clear what, you know, what was happening. Finally, in August, I think it was the, the date on, on that kept changing from May to June and kept being pushed back. And finally, it, it was going to be released in the, in, in the end of August. Mm-hmm. And theaters tried to reopen. So we, we tried to reopen with a limited schedule. We'd lost all of our staff and uh, uh, we, we, our equipment had sat empty. And our, you know, we, there was a lot involved. And because this is a, everything is built to run seven days a week, 365 days a year. So there was quite a bit of startup to, to get back to that. But when we opened with Tenet, there just wasn't the audience. Mm. We, the biggest crowd we had was 13 people. And the biggest day for uh, multiple five shows in a day was uh, 100 people. So we quickly realized that this was unsustainable, that, the, that it was too early. And so we... But we also realized it was it had been a lot to get a staff together and to get all the equipment back and uh, up and running. So we thought that we figured we would have to take some path that would try to keep the equipment running and keep a minimal staff available in the event that this was this ever changing environment, you know, all of a sudden opened up again. So we started doing private events. People felt comfortable uh, in small groups of. 20 or 25 and they were people were anxious to get out of the house and it, and if you wore masks and you socially distanced we were able to do uh, private events where people brought in videos of their own 
and projected them on the screen for a birthday party. And oh, wow. it, it wasn't it wasn't really a business, but it but it did keep a, a few of the staff opening and it did keep the equipment running. You know, just kind of how you've been adapting to the pandemic and, you know, such a in such a strange time is something that's interesting. But also there were, you know, changes that you faced even with, you know, the moolah. I think that's one of the earliest and saddest business closures, you know, that came during the pandemic was the moolah theater and lounge, one of the theaters you own closing. So, you know, hearing that announcement in April of 2020, you know, were you fearful that the moolah's closure would be? the first of many in, in the local film theater industry? Uh, not really, to be honest with you, because it, it, the, the truth about the Moolah was it was a single screen theater and that its business had already been impacted long before COVID. In fact, COVID really was not, not really even, uh, uh, was just the final straw on, on, on the Moolah. You know, the, the, the fact that, you, that you, it was such a big space and was operating, had to have its own staff. Uh, it had become economically not, it was not a viable economic operation for at least 18 months prior. Mm. And we just held on uh, trying to find a path forward and to see if there was another use that we could, that we could uh, uh, par- uh, partner up with, a, a, a bar or uh, a, a, a rock, shows we tried every other possible venue to 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 try to save the space because it was such a great space but the the audience there just uh we never it was such an inconsistent you only had one film to to uh attract and if that film was not popular then you had two weeks where you were absolutely doing nothing but losing money and uh and then uh, if in hoping that the next film would work, so uh, the writing on the wall for the Mula was it was not truly a victim of COVID. It was a victim of of a single screen, an obsolete, uh, theatrically obsolete business. Uh, you don't see there's no single screen theaters being reopened. Mo- the ones that do exist um, are generally owned by uh, a nonprofit, community-oriented. There's not another single screen in the in the in the St. Louis market. Even the High Point had to had to open a single screen for a long time in order to stay viable. Had to build a second screen so that they could constantly keep the product fresh. And and we didn't have that option at the Moolah. Yeah, it sounds like with the pandemic, it kind of was just almost a a nail in the coffin, if you will, kind of like what you were kind of describing with that, um, and that it was already kind of, you know, suffering from some, from some of those problems. One of the people we actually spoke with was Sarah Baraba, who's the co-owner of the Arcaden Cinema and Bar. She offered us her take on this topic the other day, actually. She and her husband were actually preparing to open their business in St. Louis Beaville Mill neighborhood just when the COVID-19 pandemic hit. They envisioned showing a mix of cutting-edge Indian foreign films, timeless classics, and cult favorites. We actually have a clip of her describing some of those hurdles uh, that she faced. Two days after we picked up our building plans um, from the city, the um, city shut down, and um, we kind of hit the pause button. But um, last summer, we started showing some movies on our back lot. Um, We threw up a screen back there and got some seating, and we've been showing movies outside ever since. 
And again, that's Sarah Baraba, co-owner of the Arcaden Cinema and Bar on Gravoy. Harmon, hearing Sarah talk about how she and her partner were able to pivot, I wonder if a newcomer like Arcaden was more quickly able to do that than some of the more traditional independent theaters around town. I mean, they've been doing things one particular way for so long. Well, uh, you know, frankly, you know, we had relationships with with all the major studios. We were an outlet for the major studios. I'm, I, I don't believe that they're actually being licensed films from, from, you know, the, the Warner Brothers, Universal, Paramount, or uh, Disney. And so uh, that's a, 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 a little different. Uh, you know, we dependent, we and, and, and I'm talking about AMC, uh, Marcus, every exhibitor from from an independent like myself to uh, a big chain the biggest chain like um, Warner Brothers all depend upon the the studio uh, pipeline and the studio also uh, for uh, uh, until streaming depended upon the, the movie theaters that, that mm-hmm. you were um, you were obligated or under some kind of pressure to play there, if you had an open screen to play their movie and you were committed to, to um, doing that for a minimum of two weeks, no matter what it grossed. I mean, that was another part of the big problem with the moolah, that if the, the movie didn't gross the first week, well, you were just sitting with the staff and twiddling your thumbs and losing money, air conditioning, heating, cooling, rent, and all of that stuff with, uh, without any possibility of, of, uh, of uh, increasing revenue. Mm. That's exactly why there's multiple screens, because so you can have more than one auditorium and always come in with something fresh every every week. Well, what happened for us was that the studio model broke down, that the studios were no longer releasing their films because there were too many theaters closed. They'd spent millions and millions and millions and up to two hundred million dollars like for Tenet. And, and then they spend another uh, tens of millions of dollars to market these films, they depended upon a broad release for it to, to go a minimum of 2,000 to as many as 4,000 screens at a time. Well, when the, with the pandemic, that eliminated that, and it made it foolish for them to, um, to release their, these films that cost so much money when there was no possibility of them recouping it, which is why they, why they pivoted to streaming. Mm. There was very little what what the exhibitor, uh, the symbiotic relationship that the exhibitors have with the studios, we could not, we didn't have the the film, the new film to open. And they made Veil available a lot of places, tried to, uh, they opened up their catalogs and would release old films like Ghostbusters and Goonies and all of these classics that, 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 you know, that were pretty much available either on DVD or on already available on streaming to exhibitors. You could oh you could play those and they were they were really relatively affordable. They would release them for $125 or $250. But in all honesty, there often wasn't the audience to even justify that minimal investment, um, uh, minimal guarantee. I'm speaking with Harmon Mosley, who's the owner of the Chase Park Plaza Cinemas. We're discussing the movie theater industry and how it's changed over the past year since the coronavirus pandemic.
There's so many, it sounds like this is just such a sea change then when it comes to these studios and, and the releases then, I mean, because of the pandemic. So I'm curious then, how do you see, you know, the exhibitor industry even bouncing back after this? I mean, what kind of what's the path back to how things were? You know, is there even a path back to like how it was beforehand with all these changes? Well, that is just the, you know, the 64 million dollar question you've <laughs> nailed it i mean that is the question and the the truth is i don't know and and anybody who says they know doesn't know it's it's we're in uncharted new territory this is it's unknowable um re, exhibition is resilient it's a resilient industry and people it's an ingrained pastime in the american public uh, streaming is um, is a whole new is a whole new game, a whole new competitor, and uh, the studios with Netflix and Amazon Prime uh, are enthralled to the notion of the of the subscription and not having to share, not having to split any revenue, like they do with exhibitors. Yet the public, uh, there are still certain films that are are best are made for and best experienced on the big screen. There's one school of thought that thinks that, that, that the only movie theaters that are going to survive are going to be uh, the IMAX, which you cannot have, you cannot duplicate that experience at home. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, the, the studios have tried to, uh, the, the exhibitors have tried to recreate the, uh, your Barco lounger <laughs> sitting in front of your television, only all magnified with the big screen. Uh, with the luxury seating and having food delivered, and uh, whether or not that uh, that takes takes uh, takes off or, or uh, survives is, remains to be seen. What I I I am cautiously optimistic because the studios are also a business that are very subject to changing their mind, and while they the subscription model is is their darling at the moment. The moment that they see revenues from theaters uh, spike and see, see it as a, vi a viable way to get a, a return on their investment, they're going to do it. Uh, somebody wrote it, uh, I read recently, it said, here's the, here are the facts. There are no friends in this business. It's just a business. And the, the studios are going to do what is best in their economic interest, and that no matter no matter the theaters have, have had a long-term relationship with them they are going to be driven strictly by what works for them economically now but but i i do think that that there uh there will be a way for some movie theaters to survive you know and with that i did want to go back to the arcaden cinema and bar folks who told us that Programming is the main thing that they're mulling right now. It's kind of similar to what you were saying. Well, here's co-owner Sarah Baraba. I guess the most interesting thing for us at the moment or challenge for us is just trying to figure out, you know, what do people want to see? Um, we're trying to program, you know, fun movies, but also things that are on the more um, kind of eclectic side um, that people wouldn't normally see in the theaters. Um, and we're just trying to, you know, gauge what, are people going to be interested in coming out to see versus what are they going to want to watch at their house? That's Sarah Baraba. 
you know, Harmon, she mentioned some things that were kind of similar to what you were saying about programming and trying to find interesting ways actually to still use the space that you have and show movies. So I have to wonder about, you know, have people just gotten so comfortable with all the stream platforms at home these days? You had talked about streaming earlier. Or, you know, or do you think that there's still an appetite for going to the movies, especially since many studios are releasing films in theaters and on streaming services at the same time? Uh, we're in a uh, place where we where we still that that's that's an unknown. Uh, I have to say that the axiom that has existed from my early days in in the businesses, a movie theater is only as good as the picture on the screen. And that if people want to see it, they'll come see it in a barn. I mean, years ago when the Tivoli, long before it had been remodeled, was a horrible venue. The roof leaked. It wasn't warm. It wasn't cold. But they would still sell out if they had the right movie. Mm. Uh, uh, and, and, and I still think that, that there's, there's some truth to that. I think that, though, um, th- these folks on, on Gravity are, are on the right track in that you are going to have to be uh, um, more creative. There's going to have to be more events. There's going to have to be um, more eclectic mix of, of, of movies and kind of go back even to the calendar houses where you're changing. You're not only, you know, you're offering two different films in, a, in any particular day. And, and every day of the week, there's, you know, 14 different movies that you're playing. But you know, in some ways, that's what's being offered on streaming. And people don't have to go out of their house, the comfort of their house, to, to, um, to, to have that kind of variety. So, you know, it's different. I've noticed specifically that it, there's the, uh, the older audience that we were often uh, main chase customers have been more hesitant to come back. But we're also wondering if it's not a catch-22 and we're pivoting to open to for matinees seven days a week in the next week or so mm. because we, we think that while we're showing attendance is definitely better than it was six weeks ago. It's still at about 35 to 40 percent of what it was historically. And we wonder if, well, are we not getting the audience because we're not open or uh are, are, are they not, are, are, are we, or has it changed? And we think the only way to find out is to get open for matinees seven days a week, nine o'clock shows uh, seven days a week, and see if the audience comes. I do think, though, also with the pandemic, it is gradual. This is not going to be an instant coffee. It's not going to be one day we're, we're, we're dead and the next day it's busy. Uh, you see that with with the Cardinals. The Cardinals aren't selling out their their um, their uh, seats at the moment. Of course, they're suffering from not enough product, <laughs> just like just like we are. And um, so we had the right product. Where we we think people will come. Now, last night we opened uh, Black Widow, Disney picture with Scarlett Johansson. This picture was supposed to open uh, 14 months ago. And we played it on two screens, four different shows last night, and we had a pretty darn good crowd. It's, it's encouraging that it's definitely moving in, in, I think, in the right direction. And, but this is one of those event pictures that people want to see on a bigger screen in an environment with other, other movie, in a communal environment, uh, more than 
watching it on, on their television. Now, people have 85-inch uh, home theaters and are, are happy to, to sit in their basement and watch that. And, and, but it is a different experience than, than sharing that experience communally. And we human beings are social creatures. We like, to, we like to be with each other. We like to go to bars. We like to go to concerts. We like to have our experiences, watch sporting events. Uh, I think a, a, a movie is also a story that's being told and, and, is, and people enjoy sharing that experience with other people. And uh, it's also something, you know, I, I worked for Washington University for a, a short period of my time in my career. And they were at, given some thought at one point about putting a movie theater on, on the campus because it was such a, a great uh, way to break the ice for the students who were freshmen who had just come and first time away from home in a, in a college environment, had a different, difficult time meeting new people. They go see a movie together. They instantly have something to discuss afterwards. Well, you you mentioned Black Widow and, you know, some of these big movies that are now coming out into theaters. Uh, I, you know, lastly, Harmon, what I wanted to ask you, what are your immediate hopes for the chase as people start to trickle back to the big screen? Well, we're hoping, like I said, we're going to we're moving to opening and we're going to do this as the, as as we can get the staff uh, and watch it in, in and what is warranted, and see what happens. There's, we think that there's a, a, a steady flow. Look, this is, this is generally speaking, we're in some of the best time of the year for movie going. Summer is always a, a busy time until about the middle of August. There's a steady stream of, of new Hollywood releases coming out. Not, not many of them are, are not being released simultaneously with streaming. And I just know that that, is, that has a dampening, dampening effect on the movie going. But look, we have affordable ticket prices at $5. And uh, you know, on Wednesdays at $5 and every, every day until before 5.30, that's a pretty affordable uh, luxury. And uh, I, I think by being open more and we're gonna see, we're gonna see if we can get get back to that up to that level of uh, of uh, three to four thousand guests a week which is is uh, is where we historically have been well Harmon it's exciting to hear so many of these developments and seeing where theaters are going now especially since things are opening up and studios are releasing movies Harmon Mosley thank you again for joining us today always a pleasure Chad thank you St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.